Welcome to one more edition of Politics and Rhetoric. Berto Willis, your host. Thank you so kindly for being with us. Today we have Victoria Young. She is an involved, informed, and active parent of the No Child Left Behind era. Victoria said that she witnessed one of the biggest forces in public education ever, bar none. Victoria saw that my, with her own eyes, the damage her school suffered at the hands of standardization and privatization. But today she discusses an issue that while superficially not connected in, uh, to her passion, actually is. And what is that subject today? Anti-intellectualism. Victoria, how are you doing today, my friend? Very well, thank you. Before we even get started, tell us a little bit about you, because I've always been intrigued. The veterinarian still, right? Um, I actually retired this year, but it would be the third time I've retired. Oh, boy. <laughs> so so I, bet I was kind of, I guess you would say, called back into service during the peaks of COVID. Um, but technically now I am retired and I'm hoping to stay that way. But I did, I was practicing for 37 years. Mm -hmm. So I think. I think I'm entitled. To a I think you're entitled, but you don't look like you're practicing for 37 years at all. I mean, yeah. I, I guess some of us keep well, but anyhow, what, what, what can I say? But look here, um, first of all, before we, we, we really get into this anti-intellectualism thing, um, and I think it really, the genesis is really well before, because I mean, if you take a look at what the, the passion that you've had, tell us a little bit about that school thing about the let, leave no one behind era. Tell me a little bit about that before we get into the subject at hand. Well, I was, I had some time um, to actually, because of my schedule and, and working at the time I was working um, some on-call time. So I had some time during the school day that I could volunteer. And I started doing that on a very regular basis. I, I was there every week. Um, and you could just see the change uh, it put a lot more pressure on the teachers. You know, you have a whole new uh, system, basically, that you have to learn. And what also happened is because it's focused in on math and reading, we saw them cut out a lot of other things because you had to focus on getting kids up to the standard on the test. Um, otherwise, you know, you, you suffered from being labeled as failed, but those weren't really the labels. It was needs improvement. Um, but we already knew which schools needed improvement. And of course, as everybody knows, a lot of that is related to social economic status of the community. Those are the schools that need help the most. Um, so the tests weren't really telling us anything new, and they were occupying instructional time. And that was probably the worst thing we could do. And I think we're, we're seeing the results decades later of that. And we lost the arts, we lost civics, we lost a whole lot of things that really made what a, a, a well-rounded American is supposed to be. So um, you're actually right. If people taught to the test, people know how to take tests, they do well, and they turn out to be not all that good socially or not that good, well-rounded American altogether. Well, you know, and, you know, and, and I don't, I, I, I think you can see a direct correlation between the demise of our educational system, anti-intellectualism, and almost going back to the era of the know-nothings. Your thoughts on that? 
Right. Well, and so one of the other things that was cut out, not in all schools, and this is why we have trouble um, explaining this to people who had kids in schools that had a lot of resources, is their resources and their time on science in particular was not cut, like we saw it happen in schools that were in fear of failing the tests. Um, so we had a lot of science cut out of there. So th there is that direct correlation with teaching science correctly, you know, not just facts, but learning, learning to think and critically evaluate something. A lot of that has been lost in a couple generations. Um, so I think that is starting to show up, but I always want to remind people that it isn't all at the education system to blame, that anti-intellectualism is a thread running through American society and always has been. And, and it's, it's based on emotions, skepticism. Interestingly, <laughs> I want to read just one short passage in your piece. Mm -hmm. um, it's deep in your piece, but I want to start from the beginning, but it's deep in your piece, but I think it explains a lot. And it's even explained this stuff about just teaching to the test, you said. Or mm -hmm. you said from a quote, we don't educate people anymore. We train them to get jobs. Right. And that came from a professor. So they're, they're seeing that at the higher education level. Um, a lot of people became aware of that in K-12. A lot of parents are not happy about that because it basically is a tracking system. Um, if you're testing and then you're putting it in there and you're getting advice, which we did before when, when we went to school, same thing happened, but it was usually a single test. It wasn't all the way through and it wasn't so early on in your, in your learning career, you know, you're still an adolescent, you don't know what you want to do. Um, but, you know, that's one of the things that we, we see happening. And it's gotten worse with technology because the system, of course, I think we talked about this once before, you know, is this human development, capital development system tracked with all the data and the data is all linked. So that, that became a real problem that people haven't addressed yet. Um, so, and we're basing that, we're basing recommendations for kids on a pathway earlier in their career a lot of times that isn't necessarily maybe what they want to do later in life. I mean, I guess I was one of those late bloomers that I didn't know I wanted to be a veterinarian. Um, I was told I should be something else. <laughs> and, and, <laughs> I've been real happy. <laughs> that, I mean, so, so often that is the case, you know, so often that is the case. Now, you're on a show called Politics Done Right. So, you know, we're going to start to uh, hit the politics domain at some, some, some point. And uh -oh. actually, I, I want to hit it because, interestingly, I think you hit it up pretty early on in the, in the piece. And uh, we're, we're, um, you actually said many, and many people anticipated the arrival of confrontational politics, yet most overlooked anti-intellectualism as major contributing factor to our nation's toxic uh, political divide. Yes. And... I wanted to put that on a billboard. That was billboard material right there. So go ahead and take that, run with it. Okay. So when you look at anti-intellectualism, and I'm not a political scientist or a, a social scientist, um, but just based on a lot of the things I've read, and you know, particularly, I'm going to grab this book. Mm -hmm. Particularly, this book that gives a lot of history. And I'm no, I'm not a historian either. Remember, I'm a veterinarian. I'm your right. 
working. Who's the author? I think I know the guy. Uh, Richard Hostetter. I know. Yes, yes, yeah. absolutely. I think I met him actually. Wow. <laughs> I think I, I think if I'm not mistaken, in debt, if it's the same person, I met him in at a coffee party retreat in I want to say Denver. I think it's the same guy. It has to be before 1970 though, because that's when he died. Okay, well, no, it's the wrong person then. It's the wrong person then. And I'm not, I'm not old enough to be the, uh, you see, I mean. The, I think so. Yeah, yeah, okay. That, that, that wouldn't be him because uh, at a coffee party, we met a guy with, and he wrote a book that had a similar title and we actually sat down and had lunch. I thought that was the same guy. <laughs> so when I read this book, um, and it was qu quite some time ago, mm -hmm. and I, I was reading it and thinking to myself, so wait a minute, you know, what am I? I? I don't consider myself an intellectual. I don't work in a university, um, you know, so, but on the flip side, I could see what they're talking about with anti-intellectualism, that you may have some resentment towards people that you see as the elite intellectuals. Well, let me stop you. I need to stop you there because you just said, First, you classified, you claimed to be not, you never considered yourself an intellectual. Then you said that people may have resentment for intellectuals. But you said you weren't an intellectual and you never had those, any kind of resentment to those you probably considered intellectual, right? Um, you know, that's hard to say. I think when you get rejected, mm -hmm by groups of intellectuals like and this is what i think i see going on in the country i most commonly hear people say i'm not being heard you know they're not listening yes, i hear that a lot so you're gonna that's resentment and i i gotta say i i've probably suffered from that from time to time that's what i mean when i was reading this i was thinking is that me he's talking about but further into the book, you come to realize that we're all intellectual. Mm -hmm. We all have the ability to reason. And that's what, you know, intellect is, is, is reasoning and, and asking why and gathering more information and coming to rational conclusions. You look at the Constitution or, or what the Constitution was based on, and it is really based on rational thought. You know, the whole civility thing is based on us all being rational. So, you know, I started looking at this and looking what's going on with, with the culture now. Um, and I see why some things are happening, but still working on this idea of, so how do you approach that? Um, because we certainly don't want to let it go on and get worse. Um, so one of the things, of course, I had suggested is, I mean, we can help some with education, but that's down the road. That's the next generations coming up. Um, you know, we have to do something immediately to try and solve this problem that's rising before our eyes. <laughs> um, that has risen, yeah, before I Now, first of all, let, let, let's take that. I think I want to twiddle back a bit because... Um, uh, you know, I, I hear I, I hear intellectuals being, or I, I hear the attack on intellectuals, which a lot of times may be justified uh, as far as thinking one is better than the other. Right. But I wonder often if that isn't, you know, who calls themselves an intellectual? You remember what you said earlier? 
it's all about not being heard. My show is a show that goes out and say, everybody, it's, it's your show. Everybody mm-hmm. has a voice. And I want to make sure that everybody's heard. That's why everybody can get a chance to say what they need to say, right? Right. Is not being heard a thing on intellectualism or is it a thing of cliques and, and, and tribes? Right. right, yeah. So it's kind of a couple different things we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Anti-intellectualism is built, you know, it's, it's, a, it's an attitude. Mm-hmm towards let's say towards experts you could you could use COVID as an example also so what we've seen is this cultivation of it though and so what you do is tap into a truth right now everybody you know probably has heard if you do something wrong in medicine 25 people are going to hear about it right Right. (laughs) so there is a, a grain of truth that things can go wrong now you take that grain of truth and then you start turning people against experts saying they're wrong. Now we're now we've tapped into the anti-intellectual piece of, in all of us and we're building on it. We're building a movement against truth basically against facts because you know the people that we consider intellectuals, you know the ones that are the experts in their field, they spend their life basically learning about a one particular topic Mm -hmm. and then for us to just push that all aside and say nope not even going to hear it no no i'm so good i'm sorry because there are people resent them as an elite and that's what I'm saying is intellectuals aren't necessarily elite people if you listen to people talk eventually and this is what I learned practicing medicine is if you listen to them tell you a story about their animal eventually they're going to tell you something that's very important and I think that happens in all kinds of conversations you know in the in right it's amazing because uh, you just said something that my daughter said a couple days ago Mm -hmm. uh, as far as listening to patients Uh, she's uh, in their uh, fourth year med school had some health issues but what she said is um, people got on her case for doing a lot of listening to people. Mm-hmm. But uh, when she had a conversation with a patient, she learned more about that patient's ailments based mm-hmm. on that simple conversation she's having with the patient, as opposed to just going and ask the patient, what's wrong? Tell me what is it that ails you? So it's, it's amazing. And she said she can walk out of a room and know, well, this, this, and that, just from having that conversation. So what you just said is actually something in practice. You've, you've seen it with your, your, uh, your uh, patients, and you know, she saw it, saw it, saw it as well. Um, now, you talk about solving this, right? Mm-hmm. I, I recently wrote a book called um, It's Worth It, How to Talk to Your Right-Wing Relatives, Friends, and Neighbors. And the idea was to... Um, not appease anybody, but let people answer their own questions. Uh, the idea being is um, when I talk to people, I usually, for everything that they say, I ask them to go to the next step. What's the next step? How do you get there? How do you get? But it's a very tedious task to do that one-on-one. So my question to you is, you, you, met, you are the one who brought it up. You said, yes, the kids 
later on, we can start educating folks later on so that they would grow up in that proper mindset. Mm -hmm. But the question is, how do we handle those whose mindset is already developed that we need to somehow change? And, uh, you know, how, how do we do that? Well, it, like you said, it's tedious and it's having the conversations. Um, so we don't have very good conversations on social media. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. so it is a matter of having those conversations, you know, have them at every opportunity. But I think there's one question, you know, that we really need to encourage more people to ask. And that is just the simple question, why? Mm -hmm. You know, look at what has happened to the media. And I just, I just heard someone today on, on, on social media saying that they don't listen to any news. <laughs> okay, so we've cut out all of that because there is this grain of truth, right? That, that the media is owned by what, six companies? Or right, something? exactly. The, okay. main, the mainstream, yeah. Right, and so they have control. So there's that piece but then they're being told by who they're listening to not to listen to any of the news. So again, that's this, you know, this, this cultivated anti-intellectualism. So now it's done exactly what I believe I mentioned in the, in the blog, Please, yes. that now they're, where's the source of information for this person? The only source they have is that one person or one organization that they trust. So it's, it's a matter of building trust too. Um, but yeah, I know it's gonna be a, a long, hard road. <laughs> well, I like, I like I, this from your piece though, um, uh, Victoria. Consider this, you know what I wanna say. Consider mm -hmm. this, we are all capable of logical reasoned thought, mm -hmm. but it does require a concerted effort to resist being ambivalent, consequently, it requires people devote a little more of their time to looking for truths, thinking clearly, and calling out propaganda and propagandists. That's the last paragraph in your piece, which I found uh, that that is that is a coup de grace. Now, how do we actually implement that? <laughs> well. I think that I've seen some of that going on on social media is, is when you even are informing people of the different techniques used by propagandists. And, and again, I think it's that matter of, can you get them to wonder if it's happening to them? If what they're, if what they're seeing is propaganda or is, is it real news? Is it real fact? Um, that I think that's one way we can do it. We also have to, I think, you know, and we're seeing it happen. We have to build a movement where we're getting, you know, people like yourself, I guess myself, although my thing is education, um, but that they're reaching people where they're at. And I'm afraid with politics, sometimes we're, we're really talking over people's heads. I mean, the terminology in political science is not something that I learned in school. Mm -hmm. I didn't have political philosophy. Um, I just happened to have a lot of books <laughs> right. and some time to read. You know, I want to stop you there because what you just said is so important. You said you didn't take political philosophy. Actually, very few of us did. But uh, both of us being involved with certain type of organizations, we can understand political philosophy. But most Americans don't. 
And in that language, you know, I mean, it, it, it is funny because, you know, we talk, uh, instead of talking about helping people, a lot of times we start using the technicalities of the procedures to help people. Uh-oh, you're cutting out. Oh, okay. can you hear me now? Oh, yep. Okay. okay. Yeah. So what, what I'm saying is it's interesting what you're saying, because as it turns out with the political thing, uh, when you speak in that just political language, Mm -hmm. Some people that don't understand it immediately tune you out, which you need them not to do so to, right. to make that change, right? Right. And even, you know, it, it's almost like speaking a second language, right? Right. When you say a word, uh, and usually it's a label of some kind, people that aren't, you know, don't spend time reading these things, you have to take a minute to translate what they're talking about. And then you've lost train of what of the actual conversation. It, um, <laughs> so, so I think, you know, people that are writing, if they're really wanting to make a point. And the other thing I see out there in journalism is try, you know, we're not seeing enough people try to resist just throwing the label out. Because once you criticize and put somebody in their spot, they're not likely to hear anything else you say. Right. That is that, you know, that is so that is so true. And on my program, we have all these different this this things. You know, the, the, the one good thing I like about politics and rights, we have a lot of progressives, we have a lot of uh they a lot of people think they are trolls, but they're not trolls, they're there every single day. Our <laughs> yeah. right wingers are there every day and they enjoy talking, and you know, we converse, and I think it's important because. Um, people don't, one of the, the places that I go is I started to, when I'm a one-on-one is tell, tell people all of what, what I'm really about, what I want for society, what I want people to see. Mm -hmm. And most of the times the most conservative person would be like, yeah, I kind of like that. I kind of yeah. like that, you know? And, right. you know, it, 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 I, I, in my book, it, it's worth it. I gave a few stories about me talking to right-wingers at my special place, Starbucks, when I was there before the pandemic. And it's amazing. I, I remember being so concerned one time speaking to a woman because by the time our conversation was over, she thought I was a conservative Republican because of where I live inside of <laughs> Starbucks. And by the time it was all over, she was all into Medicare for all, never used the word Medicare for all, just used the things that I wanted to see in healthcare. Right. And I felt so guilty. I told the woman, ma'am, I, I hate to tell you this, or I don't remember exactly what I said, but I'm one of your pinko liberals here in Kingwood, Texas. And what I just described was Medicare for all. And she was like, oh, you know, she said, it was, but we were friends, you know, every time she sees me, you know, well, I had the same experience with critical race theory, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> and the fact that it is not taught in K-12. Right. Okay. <laughs> but I just want to say that before I talk about it. But what I did was I described what they are actually using in schools, you know, which is an anti-bias kind of thing. And basically, it's just learn to get along with other people and and you know love yourself and love your neighbors as yourself that's the kind of philosophy right well, I, I had it in a blog and and there was an argument going on about critical race theory on facebook 
Right. And so I asked this one lady if she would take the time to, to look at the blog. And she did, which is unusual. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> but she came back and said, now I can agree with that, but that's not what's happening in schools. Which is exactly what's happening in school. <laughs> Yes. So, but it's, yeah. And that's what I mean. You know, they, they really are doing a number on with political language, you know, with tapping into the language that's going to hook people in and turn them off. Um, well, we gotta- that's what, that is what we are not about. And mm-hmm. one of the reasons when uh, you posted this, I, I contacted you as soon as I read it, because I'm like, this is the kind of material that we need to have out there coming from someone who understands what's going on and so I mean I I'm really happy that you wrote it and you you write a whole lot of good stuff I've been reading your stuff for 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 a long time now but I took a break I I haven't written anything for a long time and this is the topic this this is tops let me just tell you that all right I I I think you were on probably two or three years ago when we had something talking about the school so I mean it was like great and um (laughs) really uh really i've told you that before um so anyhow this is good the the last question that i always ask is usually the gotcha and it goes Uh-oh. this way you ready ah uh, i guess <laughs> what would you have liked me to ask you that i didn't <laughs> Ooh, well actually i would like to add something to the conversation go for like, it so, so I don't know what the question would be. The question might be was, what did you find interesting when you cleaned your room today? <laughs> okay, what did you find interesting when you cleaned your room today? I found an old book that I had read a long time ago. Uh-huh. And, and what it, the title of it is, What Social Classes Owe to Each Other. What Social Classes Owe to Each Other. And it says, we all owe to each other goodwill, mutual respect, and mutual guarantees of liberty and security. So in the season of goodwill, that's what I wanted to add in. (laughs) Well, you know what? I think that's a perfect segue for closure. So Victoria Young, uh, not former, but coffee party blogger, writer, author. Uh, thank you so kindly for having been. Okay, go ahead. What did I miss? And, and retired veterinarian. And retired veterinarian. <laughs> thank you so kindly for having well, thank been. Thank you. And I hope your family's doing well. My family's doing well. My daughter is getting better day by day, and we're working hard to make sure and keep it that way. All right. Thank you All so right. kindly Good for being on Politics Done Right. Bye. We spend a lot of time deconstructing the news, trying to, trying to parse it into a form that everybody can understand. We try to find those little nitpicks where uh, it goes, it flies above the fray, etc. If you really like these videos that we do, I want to ask a big favor. Please go ahead, number one, subscribe to our channel, and number two, please join if you can. Thank you so kindly for watching. Keep watching. Please remember to share. We must populate the entire internet with our progressive message, a message that we know is what most Americans say that they want. So help us please join.